we went like kind of viral on TikTok. I think it was like 300 or 400,000 views. And that actually directly correlated with like a spike in organic traffic. And I think that told that like gave Google a signal that people were interested. And about three weeks after that, we were at 300 clicks per day. So that's what, 9,000 per month? Hi, and welcome to the Optimize Podcast. My name is Nate Matherson, and I'm your host. On this weekly podcast, we sit down with some of the smartest minds in content marketing and SEO. Our goal is to give you perspective and insights on what's moving the needle in organic search right now. Today, I'm thrilled to sit down with Akash Shah. Akash is the co-founder and CEO of Windly. He's also a fellow YC alum, and he's built an incredible content marketing and SEO channel at Windly over the last 15 months. Winley is in a competitive space, that being healthcare, and it's been amazing to watch them grow their content channel exponentially over the last six months, crossing 100,000 visitors per month from organic search. I know Akash has a lot of interesting thoughts around doing keyword research, the use of video content, and its impact on SEO, and I'm really excited to unpack all of that on our episode today. This episode of the Optimize Podcast is brought to you by Positional. At Positional, we're building tools for content marketing and SEO teams. We've got a great selection of tools for everything from content optimization to keyword research and technical SEO. And you can visit our website at positional.com. Hey, Kosh, thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nathan. What an incredible intro. It's like, I'm just ready. I feel fired up. Well, I'm excited to uh, to chat with you. I, I know we chatted a couple weeks ago, and it was such an interesting conversation that I knew that we had to go deeper on the podcast. Uh, and it's been amazing to watch uh, you grow the content and SEO channel at Windley. Um, I know that you guys first started working on this around January of 2022. Uh, so it's been about 15 months, and you've already grown the channel to over 100,000 visitors per month from organic search, which is just an amazing accomplishment. And so I know that our listeners are going to be pretty interested in this episode, and there's a lot for us to unpack, everything from you know using video within your content to your approach to doing keyword research. And so thank you so much for coming on. Hey, I appreciate it. Yeah, we ended up getting started about a year ago. I guess a little, like, oh my gosh, it's been a year and a half now. <laughs> it's crazy. Time flies. Just realizing that they're like our customers were looking for information and it just wasn't online. And so the choice then is, well, let's just provide that information to them. And that's what really drove us to SEO in the first place. I think when you're a very early company, so what we do at Windley is we fix allergies for life. And the way we do it is by sending our patients personalized medicine that changes the immune system. And this is a treatment that you would get in a doctor's office. We've just made it very accessible and very easy to get at home without having to step outside. We realized that there was a whole host of people asking questions that should be answered by the healthcare system, either trying to get into it, like you would get an answer if you talk to a doctor, or you should get an answer if you even call the doctor's office and like talk to the front desk person. But the internet wasn't currently serving up these answers means there was an opportunity there. And the only reason we knew that opportunity existed is because we just listened to our customers. A lot of times people ask like, well, how'd you get your first customers so that you can listen to them? We went to the place where everyone goes when they're frustrated and want to shout into the void, and that's Reddit. There are always people asking health questions on Reddit, and we just started answering them. To build trust, we were answering them with video instead of like through text. It's also faster to just answer a question through video and just uploading it to YouTube. 
and our website because you know it's just good to get something hosted in a good way and that's kind of where we got our first batch of customers and that's when we realized that like there is a opportunity to educate and an opportunity to just put the right information out there, which will kind of match up with what people want to read. Yeah. And before starting the content and SEO channel at Windley, had you been in this space before? Had you built a blog or an organic search channel in the past? Or was this like your first rodeo? Yeah, I think every founder needs to have like founder channel match in the sense that like you should do something that you've already done before. Right. So if you, if someone has no experience with SEO at all, picking a company, like I would not suggest starting like a travel blog. <laughs> um, it's going to be a hard channel for you to master. In the same vein, like I didn't know how to do paid marketing really at all. So going after paid marketing to find our customers wasn't going to be something I was going to excel at. When I really sat down and looked at like, what was I good at? I had a background, not in SEO, but in content analytics, because I worked at a company called Parsley Analytics, which did just that. And I knew there's generally things you could do to at least get Google to send you a few, a few page views. Not uh, it's, been a, it's certainly been a journey to get to the 100,000 page views per month we're getting right now, but I was pretty confident I'd be able to get us to 1,000, especially if you're, if you're kind of matching like what people want to hear and kind of telling Google that you're kind of matching that intent. So it sounds like when you were first thinking about like the content that you wanted to create on the Windly site, you'd first kind of been on Reddit and had been answering questions on Reddit and had been using video to, to answer those questions. And then it sounds like the next step was actually creating content on the Windly site. And I know that there are tons of tools out there for doing like keyword research. And I know that when we chatted before, you had some interesting thoughts on like keyword research and how it should be used and how it shouldn't be used. How at Windly have you like built that editorial calendar? Like how did you choose like what were those first 10, 20, 100 articles to create on the site uh, as you first started building this channel? Yeah, I think the 100 articles that you brought up is like, the right number to aim for because I think whenever you're trying to create anything you have to get through a hundred reps to figure out what you're good at to figure out like are you actually practicing the task or are you just like learning are you, are you getting better at the task or are you just learning what you're doing in the first place so that first hundred articles I think is a good barometer and our we did no keyword research at all right so our first hundred articles was entirely they weren't even articles. They were just videos and then transcripts on our website. And that got us to enough traffic from Google. And we were also kind of trending a little bit on TikTok and YouTube with the same shorts that we were like, okay, there is enough interest that we should continue investing. And so literally what we started to do is like, okay, we'll put up a video. And then if it gets over, I think we had said like 20 visits in a week, then we'll turn it into a full-fledged article. I think a lot of times when you first start a company, when SEO to do it correctly, so to speak, people feel like you have to put a ton of energy and that there's like the right way to do it. And that right way, people say like, you have to start with keyword research and then you have to build out like 3000 page articles and you need infographics. And I'm pretty sure that works. But when you're in a resource constrained startup environment, you might not be able to have a full on editorial team kind of pushing that through. So we did it really simply. Uh, it was my co-founder recording himself. He's a doctor. So he had his lab coat on and he had a stethoscope, like literally the same type of stuff he would have done if he was in the office and you saw him in the office, I think he was literally recording in his office too. So it was almost exactly as if you were his patient. We were just kind of finding questions to answer from what we were hearing from our customers. As we kind of scaled up, we needed to 
we did incorporate keyword research, but I feel like when you start doing keyword research, you're only looking at what everyone else is looking at, right? Like by definition, everyone doing SEO is probably looking at keyword research to figure out, oh, what search terms get the most volume. What ends up being missed is you get these really golden nuggets that your niche of customers are answering, but your niche is probably very small compared to the entirety of all internet searchers. A few of our top articles are, you know, they get like only four or five clicks per keyword they rank for, but they rank for like 100, 200 keywords. So, you know, it's a lot of traffic per month, even though there's not like one umbrella keyword. And I think Google, like this kind of goes back to Google knowing how to match the searcher's intent to the right thing they're looking for. And a lot of times in consumer, at least people don't know what they're looking for. So they're just kind of using human language to ask and, you know, you just answer it and let Google figure out the rest. <laughs> Uh, you know, when I talk to a lot of our customers, one of the challenges that they have kind of very early on in building this channel is doing keyword research. For some companies, it's it's quite easy. Like the keywords are obvious, um, but for others, like it's actually quite difficult to get like search volume for like a large number of keywords or, or pieces of content to create. Um, and what I always say to them is like, use your own experience, like talking to customers. What are those questions your customers ask? What do you intuitively know about your market as the founder that even if a tool like positional isn't providing a, a search volume for you, just intuitively know like your customers are interested in this thing or have a question on this thing. But it's really interesting that you guys use video on TikTok as a way to get data on like which topics might also make for good blog posts. So you're effectively like doing keyword research through video channels to then drive like the topic and ideation for the actual pieces of content you create on your blog. And I have not seen another startup approach keyword research in this way, but it's clearly working for you. And I think it's something that we all should be thinking about, especially as like TikTok and Instagram and all of these other channels grow from here. Um, and then as far as like content creation goes, um, because like you're a founder, you've got a ton of things to do every single day. I appreciate you coming on this podcast, but I'm sure you have eight other things on your to-do list right now. Like it's often hard to invest time in a content and SEO channel. As you know, like it takes work every single day over long periods of time to ultimately like build a large channel. My first question is like, how much time were you or your team dedicating to building out the blog and the content marketing channel? And then also like, how much have you invested uh, in maybe in a general sense in terms of capital in this channel over the last year and a half? Yeah, I think initially, I think like every founder has to consider the timeline of return for their channel and so this actually almost goes back into like why we were why were we video first when it came to like our seo and the answer is you know with facebook ads you generally know in two weeks if something is working or not but it might cost you about one to two thousand dollars to figure that out with seo the best outside of literal news like literally the news the best blogs i have seen they start getting page one rankings in eight weeks. And usually it's more around like six months, right? So that's kind of your range. And that's a huge range. And since you're probably not an exceptional operator, since most people aren't exceptional operators by definition, they're probably gonna be more in that like four to six month range. So we had to ask ourselves if SEO was the right channel because it was gonna be a long investment versus paid versus something else. And what we realized is we knew how our current customers were speaking, but we didn't know how our prospects were talking, right? We didn't know how the people who were good Windly patients, we didn't know what they sound like. We didn't know what their questions were. And the best way to get in front of them 
is literally TikTok and Facebook and Instagram nowadays. You are for sure going to get 100 impressions on your video. And then you know if you get more than 100 impressions, like for example, if you get 1,000, you know that that language that you used hit a nerve, right? You, you, you said something that people reacted well to. You had a hook which was compelling, especially in healthcare, we get in our heads a lot, like in stocks, like sound, sound very sciencey. You know, we do sublingual allergy immunotherapy, which changes your immune reaction from being histamine mediated to non-histamine mediated, right? Like <laughs> that content doesn't perform well, surprise, <laughs> but sometimes it does. But most of the time when you lead with that, people just swipe away. And at the end of the day, all of these platforms want the same thing. They want to engage their user and they want to put interesting things in front of their user. And so with video, we were able to get like a feedback loop of probably four, four hours. Within four hours, you knew if like a content hook that you put out there was actually compelling. We would come up with these plans of like, okay, so these are like four broad, these are like 10 broad themes that we want to go after. Let's make three to four videos per theme. Let's upload them. And then let's just see how they perform. And if any of them do well, we know to kind of start going deeper in that sphere. And that is where we want to invest either our paid dollars or SEO dollars for full on channel development. And then to answer your question on like how much time, initially it did take a lot of time, but it's almost like we were harvesting these questions from just talking to our customers, which as an early stage founder, you absolutely should be doing. Now it's in our customer support and we hear it from our customer support team all the time. I mean, I'm still doing customer support. So once again, I'm hearing it directly. My co-founder is seeing these customers in person because he, not in person, but like on Zooms because he's like doing doctor's appointments with them. Um, and so we're continuing to hear these questions. So kind of like finding that initial things to talk about was not difficult for us. What was difficult was getting over that frustration of like, okay, let's just sit down and like make the content. And we got over that barrier by doing something which is like, I don't want to say easy, but more doable. We figured out like, okay, for a video, initially it takes us about maybe an hour, five or six takes. We're a little awkward with it. And then I figured out the editing process. I figured out the upload process. So I would say at the beginning, each video probably took us maybe 12 hours to like figure out end to end. Now it takes us three hours from concept to editing to publishing. And we can get, if we see that the video is doing well, we'll put a full article underneath it within, because we have writers we work with, right? Like we've kind of like built out the whole process. So we got better at it as we went along. As for our dollar investment, it hasn't been that high because we've mostly kept it all in-house. We do have writers we work with, and I think they have the standard rates. We use a company called draft.co to help us find writers. So whatever they do is what we're paying. As far as like ROI, uh, you don't have to get too specific, but we, we do know your blog has now grown over to over 100,000 visitors per month. Has it been worth it in terms of like actual customers and, and dollars and revenue going back to Windley, like the time that you've invested in this channel so far? I definitely think so. We haven't locked in our analytics to know very well, like, you know, what cohorts are driven by organic and how long are those, how are those cohorts performing? But it has been a positive ROI channel already. That much I do know. And it's at least a 3x return on that on this as a channel. And also one of the great things is like we can stop investing in it whenever we want and it it's like half-life will exist for a while. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, 100%. That's why I love content marketing and SEO. It, it takes like or and the same goes with video. It takes like a lot of upfront work and building and creation, but you build that portfolio of content that's going to exist forever on into the future and drive, you know, many hundreds of thousands of visitors back to your website for the next five or 10 or longer years. Um, and I would say if you guys did no more work on this channel, 
like Windly would probably still get over 100,000 visitors, if not more per month for the next three years. Um, and so I always say to founders, like it, it is a lot of upfront work and investment, but over the long term, it can become one of those like highest margin channels for you. You'll also hit like different inflection points along the way. Founders always ask me like, how long does it take to get to like my first 1000 visitors per month or first 10,000 or first 100,000. And in my career, I've noticed usually like there are different inflection points where all of a sudden like things will start to accelerate and we'll add new visitors at a much faster pace. Over the last like year and a half, did you see or experience like any different inflection points where like all of a sudden things just started to grow a lot faster? Absolutely. So I understood content and SEO from like making good content and like making sure that it speaks to your customer's perspective. I don't really understand the backlinking and giving Google good signals and that type of stuff. I followed like basic best practices, which are like make sure you don't have like 300 character titles and make sure you have like good description, like, you know, that very like SEO 101 stuff. It took us about six months to hit our first for us to get to like a hundred clicks per day, which sounds like not a lot, but that's 3000 a month. And we started at zero, right? So at six months, I was like, okay, this is good. And that's when I started asking people who were a few steps ahead of me, if this was noise or if this was signal. And basically they all said it wasn't enough traffic to know. Then we went like kind of viral on TikTok. I think it was like 300 or 400,000 views. And that actually directly correlated with like a spike in organic traffic. And I think that told, that like gave Google a signal that people were interested. And about three weeks after that, we were at 300 clicks per day. So that's what, 9,000 per month? And so you saw a lift across like the entire portfolio of content as like your brand started to go viral on a different channel, which was was TikTok. You actually saw like a, a lift site-wide from the organic search channel too. Yeah. And then sometime last year, Google like started testing shorts in the Google search page and in YouTube search that took us to 500 per day. So, so that's 15,000 per month. And at 15,000 per month, I started talking to people again, being like, is this signal or noise? And they were like, now you have like decent signal. You should at least invest for another six months, but that's still like a long time, right? Like I had to, there was an algorithm change. I had to go viral, but I wasn't actually surprised because I knew if we kept on making the content and I knew our content was good, it was eventually going to do well. Right. And the way I knew the content was good is like people were spending time on the site, right? Like <laughs> the, the engage time was like really high. Um, the bounce rate was low. And, you know, if you know the content is good, eventually you'll climb up. It is kind of a waiting game, I feel, until the algorithms have enough data to actually like find your audience. And I think that actually works for Google, TikTok, any organic and actually even paid platform. You're kind of like feeding the algorithms data and they'll test it out and they'll find you your audience. But they're so good now that they will find you your audience. You have to give it enough data for it to like train a guest. I think one thing that we did that a lot of people don't do is have consistency and volume so we were consistently putting out good content but it was also a high volume of content right we were publishing three to four times per week and so if you're publishing four times per week that's actually four times as much content as publishing once per month so maybe we needed to pub like maybe for us we actually needed to publish like 300 articles before we found this audience if you're publishing once per month you're literally just never going to hit that break point soon enough i totally agree i always recommend to founders if they're like serious about this channel to post like at least once a week, um, like a big mistake I'll see startups make is they'll post like four blog posts and then forget about it for six months and say like, why did content marketing not work for me? 
And it's like consistency over long periods of time is like how you're successful. But I find it so interesting that you had these like viral bumps on a channel that wasn't organic search, which then ultimately led to more traffic on organic search. And it seems like as you went viral on other channels over time with video, it had this compounding effect in a positive way in terms of how Google saw your website as a whole and ultimately started to drive more traffic to you from organic search as well. I find that so interesting. I've actually not talked with another person who's had this experience, but it makes complete sense. I mean, you can you can still see the spikes. Like our when our TikToks went viral, you can still see like, okay, so now the trajectory explicitly changed on our organic traffic. That's amazing. <laughs> I think also what's interesting there is like people are more willing to talk to you on TikTok and YouTube than on any other channel. There's like this content loop where we are producing content. These two video channels are finding our audience who then ask us more questions. It like makes our, okay, well, what do we produce next? Well, you know what? I don't have three hours today to go deep into our customer support tool. I'm just going to pluck something from TikTok and answer it and it'll get out. And it's just important to keep that consistency and keep feeding the algorithms so that they can keep finding the audience. I love that you haven't made content marketing or, or inbound marketing in a general sense, like overly complicated. I feel like a big mistake founders will make is they'll think that like content and SEO is this like dark art or science and they need to go out and build like hundreds of backlinks. And what I always tell them is like, pick the right topics, create great content. And if you do that consistently over time, it will work well. And You've done that. You like haven't worried about building backlinks. Like you've done the basics, right? From like a technical SEO standpoint and you've got internal links and you've created great content and it's, and it's clearly working. So for those founders who say that like they don't have enough time to go out and build like a content or SEO channel, I think if you simplify it down to like those key inputs, which are the right topics and great content, if you just do that, then it'll work. For you. And it's been amazing to see how fast you've grown with that strategy at Winley. Yeah, I think that's actually, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head is like, just speak to the right person. And just like the difference between nothing and something is really, really high when it comes to content, right? And a lot of times I suggest to people who want to replicate this, they're like, well, how do I make it not take 18 months or whatever the timeline is? And I was like, you start today in a very, the same way you brush your teeth every day you just publish something every few days so that when you do want to invest, you can invest like you've kind of set the stage, right? I bet if like, I bet if we, even if we had been publishing once per week instead of four times per week, if we had done that for six months and then started putting it, like pushing it aggressively, um, it would have been like, we would have been able to compress our timeline. Uh, but we, and, and a lot of people like, they're like, well, what do I write about? I was like, you, are an early stage founder, you are getting customer support questions, create a resource for yourself to send customers. And then that's what you make, right? Like that can be the easiest thing. It doesn't have to be like optimized for conversion. It doesn't have to be optimized for anything. It just needs to be out there and exist. And the craziest thing is I know for a fact that when I try out a new SaaS tool, I Google first, uh, what's the SaaS tool that I just started using? Um, there's this called type.ai. So I searched type.ai pricing. Okay, well, maybe I found something, maybe I didn't. Okay, type.ai tutorial, right? So there are these like very basic things that you probably want regardless. Um, and it can be branded. It's okay if it's branded or not. Brand like that part doesn't matter because you're just kind of like establishing yourself 
and building the habit, just getting used to it. And then, you know, maybe you do decide to start doing inbound or you do decide, even if you start doing outbound, when someone looks at your site, they're going to start Googling around and asking these same questions. So Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like as a starting point for your content marketing strategy, just creating this collateral that you'll need anyways for customer support or for outbound, just by having it, it's only going to then help you as you then expand on the organic search strategy as like a standalone thing that you are working on every day. And also from a timing perspective, like you said, it takes time for Google to understand what your site's about, like what you're a good resource on. And so the earlier you can get started in actually creating content, even if that's just for your own customers, ultimately it's going to make things a lot easier and faster when you do want to dedicate more resources to this channel later on. And at Winley, you guys are a, a seed stage company, right? Yeah, we did a, I guess we were a little more pre-seed. I don't know, healthcare, it's all weird. I think we're a pre-seed company because we're like, we were finding the market and the market didn't really exist. Now I would say it's like so funny because like you could say the market didn't exist but now google has actually found us that audience but two years ago like i didn't even know if the market existed like who was capturing this demand for sublingual immunotherapy or allergy immunotherapy did people actually want deeper information or did the people only want high level so let's say we were pre-seed but we did understand that like it was just a bet we made right we just made a bet that like this would be the right channel because we just knew that our customer wanted to do a lot of like self-education. And you mentioned this, like just make the collateral. Like we literally use so many of our videos that we make just to answer questions. You needed this content anyways. So why not create it and then build a channel around it? You're probably going to need some content in the first place regardless. So you might as well just get it out there, get it public. I mean, I think like you, you kind of see it with Substack where people were writing newsletters anyway. Okay, now they're discoverable, right? That that's what you're choosing to do when you make content. You're choosing to do the you're choosing to make the work you're already doing. And then you're saying, okay, I'm gonna spend 10% of the time to like make these incredible algorithms work for me. <laughs> right. That makes a ton of sense. You were going to create this content regardless. So why not put it in the right places, optimize it so that you get even more value out of that work that you already need to be doing? I think that's a great way to think about building channel actually almost every one of the blog posts we've written on our blog addresses like a customer question uh, that i was asked so we've recently published articles on like thin content how to write a title tag uh, how to build backlinks um, and these were you know customer support questions i got in our slack channels and then of course i went and then tied like a primary keyword to those topics um, and then i actually wrote a, a blog post around it so what you're about it. So what you're actually describing, like creating content for customer support, but also using it as a way to start building your inbound channel is exactly what we're doing at Positional. And I don't know that I'd thought about it this way until this conversation, but yeah, I think it's been working for us and it's something we're definitely going to continue doing. And then eventually you start like moving from your customers to like, okay, what about the people who could become customers? Okay. What about the people who don't even know that they want to be customers. And that's actually a very common motion in any sort of marketing or sales, which is like, you know, start with the people that are down funnel and then move up the funnel. I will say this, uh, when we were, when I was at a B2B company, the sales team loved a content first approach because you arm a sales team with an infinite amount of content. And you say, if a customer asks, how does this feature work? And they're able to just like deluge them and like, okay, so this is like why it matters. And this is how you actually use it. And this is a case study with it. Oh man, it just shows like an expertise and a competence that a lot of prospects don't usually see from sales teams. 100%. And I think there's something to be said for just building like that brand equity in your space. Like when someone has a question about allergies or in my past life, when someone had a question about Kubernetes and they found our brand as part of that learning, 
and discovery process before we were even trying to sell them anything. But like we started the conversation by helping them answer their questions. I think it's a completely different, you know, sales approach versus someone clicking on your ad, knowing that they're being sold something. It's like a much more natural conversation to start with someone. Um, and I think that's often why like content marketing has one of the higher conversion rates, um, at least in my career versus a channel like Facebook or AdWords, even for, for certain products. I want to dive into um, like how you're using video to supplement like the blog posts you are creating. I know you and I had talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It sounds like you, you ran an experiment where uh, you identified, I think it was like 20 or so pages that didn't have videos on those pieces of content on your site. And then you went and added videos to that content to see if that video content would actually have a positive impact on the ultimate like rankings and performance of those pages. I'd be curious to learn like a little bit more about that experiment and what you ultimately decided, like was adding video content helpful in terms of actually ranking your posts better in search? Yeah, absolutely. The way I think about it is we're going to create a resource for a question. And now we do two videos and then two articles per week. And, you know, we want to kind of keep like, even if we don't necessarily know the best strategy for our writers at any given time, they've worked with us. We like them we want to make sure that they have a steady stream of work because the best way to lose like a writer that you finally developed a relationship with is by saying, okay, bye. We'll come back in six months when we have a new idea. <laughs> like eventually you do start thinking about keywords because you need to start moving up the funnel and that's kind of where keywords come in. And we were like, okay, we'll have the writers focus on keywords and we'll just keep our videos on our customers and our customer insights. The written pages were getting some rankings, but they weren't really very high up. When we added the video, what we really realized is people engage with video in a different way than they engage with text on a page. People engage with videos differently, and especially when they see a video is only like 30 seconds, they're like, oh, this is definitely going to answer my question, and I'm not going to have to go looking around where in this ridiculously long uh, article, which I'm viewing on mobile. You know how long 3,000 words is on mobile? It's like so long. No one is reaching the bottom of your pages. <laughs> and so the videos were just like really crushing it when it came to engagement and like people felt like they were getting their answer faster and i think that's how video really helps personally it's very frustrating to me that like i think google has rewarded people for saying like way too much i think we suggested like a lot of times the suggested content length is between 1500 to 3000 words but people don't want to like deal with that <laughs> There's this weird back and forth where like Google tried to like Google incentivizes people to make these super long pages and then they're they introduce like a feature to the search page which like extract the useful information. <laughs> and yeah, I don't I don't really know how it all plays out, but I do know that no one enjoys having to like fight to find their answer. And that's what a really long page effectively does. So our videos were a way to kind of show people like, look, we're gonna get your information quickly. People generally don't like reading because in general, we don't like humans don't like thinking we like just getting what we want to hear. So that's kind of like where the videos cut through the noise. Yeah, it makes complete sense is video as a way to increase time on page and reduce bounce rate and ultimately probably reduce like the return to search rate where someone doesn't get their answer and has to go to another listing. And so those are all like quality signals that that you're sending Google to say like, hey, people are actually enjoying our pages. And they're aligning to the intent of that searcher. Um, and I always say to people, people always ask me like, how do you create good blog posts? And I always tell them like, you wanna be actionable and helpful. If video is a way to be more helpful and more actionable and give someone exactly what they're looking for faster without them having to go to another 
web page, it makes complete sense to me that like your pages would rank better in search as a result. And I'm sure clips from this podcast are going to end up on our eventual blog post about using video in SEO content. So I'm excited about that. As far as like placement of the videos in the articles go, like, would you put the videos like right at the top or would you try to like put the videos like slightly lower in the page like actually like in the context of the vlogs themselves so yeah the video is right at the top of the page it's underneath the title the byline and then we do like just like a quick answer up at the top um similar to like how google kind of has like the answer right at the top and then it goes into the video and then underneath the video is like a full-on article it used to be i think when we first started we transcribed the video and then we would just edit the transcription and add headers to different parts of the transcription. We saw different lifts, right? Like when it was just video, that was useful. And then when we added the transcript, I think that like told engagement on the page didn't change at all, but it told Google a little bit more what the page was about. And we added headers, which further told Google what the page was about. Then that jump from like headers and transcript, there was no improvement until we hit like 2000 words compared to the video. So personally, I think like a a minute long video, you have three headers in it, and then you have like a call to action, uh, like a text-based repeatable copy-pasted call to action across your site. And you would probably hit like 500, 600 words right there. And that's like enough, but I think Google has like changed their rules. They can like figure out if you have a video on your site, they can figure out how many people are hitting replay. I mean, I use YouTube because I assume like somewhere in the mastermind of Google, there's like some correlation between search rankings and YouTube, but I could be wrong. Yeah, we'll see what Congress has to say about that. Um, but yeah, I think as far as thin content goes, how long should your blog post be? I think it certainly changed over time. I think when I first started in this business back in like 2014, 2015, like the way that you used to be able to win was to create like one like 6,000 word mega guide and use that to like overpower rankings for like 20 different primary keywords. Uh, but I think search has changed where like the actual more specific your result is, uh, even if it's shorter, uh, the better it is. I mean, if you're covering like a very in-depth topic, like manufacturing processes with AI, like maybe you do need three or 4,000 words to write like an actually fantastic post on that topic. But in other cases, like, you know, if 500 words gives that searcher exactly what they're looking for, you've also got a video. I don't think that, you know, just because the words on page are, are low, that make, makes that content thin or unhelpful. And I think Google's gotten much better at being able to decide, like, is this actually a helpful piece of content or is it a thin piece of content? I don't even think it's just Google. I think the audience knows too. The audience knows what the kind of like content optimized voice versus a like authentic voice is. We've all landed on those review sites that we realize are just like Amazon affiliate link farms, right? There's a reason that Wirecutter differentiated their reviews is because there was an authentic voice and POV. In the same vein, I think AI content is inevitable. Like it doesn't actually matter if more content is created because they're just not going to be on the first page of rankings. People are worried about the tsunami of content that was like, the tsunami has been here. <laughs> it's not new. Google will figure out what is worth showing because it knows how people are engaging with your content. If people are sitting on your pages and watching and scrolling and clicking around to other pages that they know that that's a good thing. I think video is a way of differentiating yourself at least for the next hopefully a year. Probably a while after that. I suspect there's going to be a shift in trusting just like random content on the internet. Uh, I don't think people know how to create a real person talking at a camera yet. 
but I could be wrong. It's probably out there. Well, I hope that that doesn't happen to your industry because you've actually got like a real doctor and your co-founder who's going like in depth on these topics that they are, you know, licensed and trained to speak and create content about. Like if I were to try to start Wimbley's content channel, like I, I probably could put together like a hundred articles with chat GPT, but like, there's no way that I could actually tell you if those articles were helpful or not, or actually gave like that customer, that patient, what they were looking for. And I, I agree with you that like low quality content is not a new concept. Like there's been massive amounts of low quality content since like Google first created its search engine. And for like the last 25 years, like Google has been trying to remove and segment off like low quality or unhelpful content. I think the proliferation of AI generated content certainly makes Google's job harder in terms of being able to dissect like what's good versus not helpful when you've got, you know, thousands of new pages coming into their index. But this is definitely not like a new problem for Google. And so hopefully they've had time over the last like 20 years to, to get out in front of this. And I'm sure it's something they've been thinking about even before like ChatGPT kind of broke the internet. I, I do just want to like quickly ask maybe like a pointed question, like, should we be using AI generated content as part of like our content creation process? Or do you still think that content should largely be written by actual humans? That's a good question. I think it comes down to how much trust is involved in the content, right? So if Windly publishes something, uh, we publish like medical claims and we want to make sure as a society that medical claims there's a high risk to a medical claim being wrong. In the healthcare industry, I hope that there is always at least an editor who has a science background, right? And I don't necessarily see a very large difference between using some AI to spin up the very like draft zero, not even like the first draft, but like the roughest version of a draft or to create an outline and then kind of help put it in versus like when the editor or copywriter comes through and actually like polishes it, double checks the claims, all that type of stuff. Especially because like if I'm giving you a list of, hey, here the drug interaction, there's not like, I'm not going to juice that up with like a sassy, authentic voice, right? <laughs> That's just a fact. But in spaces where, you know, if you publish something wrong and it's like frustrating, I'm an engineer and Stack Overflows existed for like 15 years. It's not always right. <laughs> wrong information on the internet is not new. You just have to have critical thinking. Do I trust the public? source here. And I, I love that you've built those processes internally to like do that sourcing and fact checking. And I think it's probably a lot easier given that your starting point is often like your co-founder who is actually like a licensed and trained physician in, in this industry, which is great. And I, I think your website falls into that, like your money, your life category of search where Google is uh, increasingly judgmental in terms of what types of websites and what types of content it wants to show for a given search result. And I think in those industries, especially, I think anyone that's churning out massive amounts of content with AI and it isn't fact-checking or uh, validating the claims being made, I think they're going to have a very difficult time to ultimately rank that content in search. But it sounds like you're doing everything correctly. I think like we see that in the, the traffic coming back to your site. Also, like people are afraid. They're like, well, why should we get started if it's just going to come down to AI? AI can't write about things it doesn't know about. Does that make sense? Right? I probably can't ask any AI tool to tell me about positional and its great features <laughs> because it doesn't know what it is. There's still a lot of information which is like in people's brains, which is not on the internet. AI is just not going to be able to like expose that. Yeah. And I know that Google's like highlighted this new search experience, you know, where they provide instant answers to a lot more queries. And I, I know that they've also said that in industries like finance and health, it's going to be a much slower or non-existent rollout, given that they know that there's like 
a high degree of risk with these topics. Um, and like the last thing Google wants to do is provide someone like a health claim that then is inaccurate and then ultimately someone harms themselves as a result. So I think especially in your industry, I don't think search is maybe going to change as much as you know it may in an industry like fractions. I talked to a founder the other day that was building a website on uh, math problems. And, and I think for a question like what's five times five, like Google's already gotten very good at answering that question very quickly. Well, I do wanna transition to the uh, rapid fire round. It's been so great to have you on. Um, I think we've covered a lot and so we'll make this relatively quick. I'm going to ask you like five or six kind of pointed questions and you can give me a very quick answer. Does that sound good? Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. So as far as tooling goes, is there like a tool that you use like most often or every single day at Windly as part of building out this channel? Slack and Notion. Dude, we are, we use Shopify's blog as a CMS. And when I tell that to like SEO experts, I think I see some of them like visibly recoil. Yeah. So Slack for comms, Notion for like tracking where the content is. I think the content itself gets written in Google Docs because it's just easier than editing in Notion. And then Descript is what we use for transcribe transcriptions and like video editing. Is there one thing in content marketing or SEO that you think is like a total waste of time? Like you've maybe heard people talk about it and say that you need to do it, but ultimately it just is a complete waste of time and it's not something you're thinking about. I think at scale, most of it does matter. I think technical SEO starts mattering at like 5,000 clicks per month and then backlinks. I don't know when they start mattering, but I do know they do start mattering, but I just don't know at like what scale. And when I say backlinks, I mean like a like like backlinking strategy where you're asking people to like link to you or you're working with folks to create new properties that will link to you. Um, I don't mean just like some PR here and there. <laughs> I think it depends on the industry that you're in. I think for certain founders, I tell them don't worry about backlinks for other founders and in industries like finance. I do think it's quite important as, as you get your website into the running. My next question is around where do you go from here? Like what does the next like six or 12 months look like for Windly from a, a content marketing and or SEO perspective? I think what's hard is I think we've almost saturated everything at this point around our primary treatment, which is allergy drop immunotherapy. You know, there's only so many ways you can say the same thing over and over. This might now start to be a time for us to start listening. Okay, what are adjacent questions instead of about our treatment? What else are our customers asking? What else are our prospects asking? So kind of expanding past this niche that we've created. Also, I want to get a lot better at turning like a page view into a customer. Six months ago, we were not at 100,000 uh, page views per month. And so we were still focused on like driving traffic and driving volume. But now it's definitely time to be like, okay, so we're getting the, we're getting people to come to our website. How do we actually turn this channel into something that is going to be valuable for the company? Because page views without customers isn't actually value. It's just a vanity metric. 100%. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed having you on this podcast. I've learned a few things and there are a number of things we are going to implement here at Positional as a result of this podcast. So I really appreciate you coming on and you'll certainly get a backlink from us from our website when we publish this podcast onto our website. So thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything else you wanted to cover here today? Yeah, if any listeners have allergies, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me at windley.com. Yeah, just ping me and I'll make sure that you get taken care of in the best way because you shouldn't have to live with allergies. Thanks so much for having me on, Nate. I really enjoyed the conversation. This episode of the Optimized Podcast is brought to you by a special sponsor. 
If you're anything like me, you've probably got a lot of content that's not very well optimized and it can be a total pain in your butt to optimize it and ultimately get it to rank better in search. And that's what positional does. Positional has an incredible tool set for everything from content optimization to technical SEO and planning your editorial calendar. And if you don't know by now, I'm one of the co-founders of Positional and I'd love for you to check it out. 